Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and on social media. Welcome to episode 236 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. I am joined this fine spring morning by my good <laughs> co-host Ray. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing good, Joe. How's it going? I'm exhausted, dude. <laughs> you sound exhausted. <laughs> I, I, my show went up this last weekend, like last oh. night, the night before. So that's done. <laughs> Congrats, you Thank did it. You, I did it. It's up. It was, it was small but mighty, and now I mm. can start figuring out how in the hell to actually do a real show next year. I mean, it was, yeah. a, it was a real show, but it was like a little review that we threw together. Sure, sure. Um, Planting the seeds. And then, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not editing that out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm exhausted. Uh, and then, because my stagecraft kids took so much time dragging their feet, not only was I trying to mount the show this week, but I also had their escape rooms running this week. Wow. So, yeah, I, I it was a really long, mentally taxing week. Oh, my um, God. But I know I'm not the only person to feel this right now because uh, one of the, like a couple of teacher groups came through and did the escape rooms, which the kids thought was really, really cool. Yeah. And then um, as one of the, them were working, walking in, they shouted to one of the assistant principals uh, and they're like, hey, Sean, do you want to come and do the uh, escape room with us? And he goes, only if Joe can guarantee that I will not escape for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I called back to him. I was like, dude, I felt that in my soul. Oh, man. He had that one ready in the chamber. <laughs> oh, my God. And then uh, another one of uh, the vice principals was sitting out and he was like, hey, how's your escape room going? You still got them running? And I said, yeah, this is the last day. And he goes, that's awesome. He's like, I, I might stop by. I said, oh, you're going to run the room? He's like, oh, hell no. I don't have the brain power for that today. <laughs> I just want to watch somebody else think. Yeah. I thought of you this week. Um, you know, part of my job, we, we work with high school teachers. We go out, we visit classrooms. We speak to their students about art school, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one of my coworkers said that, uh, you know, he was speaking to a, a teacher that's a, a regular teacher for him. He visits her classroom every year, you know, we have a really good relationship with that school. Mm -hmm. So he knows her pretty well. And uh, he said he came back from visiting her classroom and he sat with us in our meeting admissions meetings once a week. And he goes, has anyone else heard from their teachers that this is an especially difficult uh, semester mm -hmm. <laughs> last year, you know, and that, and, and there's some, some concern for students and sort of the way they're, reacting to this whole you know this whole situation i'm like yep yes i immediately thought of you a few, a few <laughs> of my other teacher friends i'm like yes I, right, nail on I hit, hit the head hit the nail on the head right there yes absolutely yeah no this has been a rough one although i mean i feel like i am starting to see the tail end of it like there's i i've been planning for next year which is always a good sign because that means that mm -hmm. i'm not like giving up <laughs> i'm like yes. this year yes. might not be going well but you know i know what to do for next year so absolutely we're assuming there's going to be a next year so as far as that goes we're we're, we're good <laughs> mm -hmm. 
How about you? How's everything been going for you? Um, right now it's great because like I said, I'm drinking this coffee like it's the Lazarus, like Ra's al Ghul's Lazarus bit. <laughs> um, some, I mean, I, you know, I'm a regular coffee drinker, but some mornings it's like, oh yeah, I think I'll have, you know, a coffee. And other mornings it's like, oh my God, where? If I don't get coffee? this injected <laughs> directly into my bloodstream, I am not going to survive the next 30 minutes. Yes, yes. I don't even know. I mean, obviously you, you drink coffee. How do you take your coffee? Oh, I, I, I cream and sugar. Cream I'm and not sugar. a take it black kind of guy. Okay, me neither. Rosie is a black coffee person, and I'm just in awe every morning. Like, I, I don't trust black coffee drinkers. <laughs> like, her, who hurt you? Oh, for me, it's the opposite. I'm drawn to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this completely tracks. It totally does. It totally does. That's so true. Oh man, but you know, my uh, my week's been pretty good. We we're last night. I was out. It is the second week in a row that I have ventured out into the world to be an artist at gallery openings and looking at art and paintings. And last night I actually um, was joined by a couple of my really good friends who are also artists. So it's starting to feel a little bit like, um, I don't want to say normalcy, just like uh, I got to experience something that was central to my life, right? <laughs> you know, f- three years ago, and I have not experienced since. Uh, so that's that's made it definitely like a really good week. It's the highlight, you know, of, of the spring so far. Um, so geeking out about art definitely and paintings. Um, a lot of this is you know just in anticipation of the fact that I'll be graduating this this May, and I, you know, being in a grad program, it's like you're you're. I don't want to say hibernating because you're working, but it's like right. you're, you're sequestered from, you know, what's going on out there because you're, you're working so intently on, on your, you know, your thing, your, your graduate degree and your projects and your thesis and everything. So that's been a long five years for me because I've been doing this program part time. So it, it does feel like a really long time that I've been somewhat disconnected from like the artist communities that I, you know, that I'm a part of. Right. And things have changed, man. You know, it's a whole different landscape out there now. And is it, uh, is it really is it really different from pre-pandemic? Well, I mean, the art world does change and evolve pretty rapidly, anyways. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of stuff has happened since 2020, and not just the pandemic. I think socially, a lot of stuff has happened. You right. know. Um, and so people are seeing things now that they previously were unaware of a lot of people, a lot of people are, a lot of institutions are intentionally, you know, um, opening their doors to, to a more diverse group of artists, AKA not just white artists. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, the landscape is, is very different. And, um, there's a cool energy that I'm feeling around my communities and the art that I'm seeing and the people that are making work and they're getting into cool spaces and, and new spaces that are opening galleries, you know, don't have a long, a long life usually. <laughs> um, right, right, right. So there's some cool, interesting new spaces and um, yeah. And, and I think part of that too, is that, you know, I was in my mid thirties uh, when I kind of dropped out of the scene and, and started working on this, degree and now i'm in my early 40s <laughs> so yeah yeah i'm like ooh, what are the kids working on you know <laughs> what's going on out there but no it feel like that sometimes you're just like i 
Absolutely. How, how are you so young? And <laughs> that's neat. I'll steal that. <laughs> Absolutely. And I and to to be honest, I mean, I remember hearing that when I was younger from some of the older artists. So you know, I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm on the other side of this dynamic now, but I'm still part of this dynamic, and that feels good. Right. Right. Um. And yeah, it's it's really interesting. I'm really excited to get my work out there, and you know, I'm I'm meeting some very cool people. Um, shout out to Eduardo at uh, Altura LA, which I will uh, repeat at the end of this show. But um, yeah, uh, it's it's exciting. So so that's been a big part of my weekly geekery the last couple of weeks is just getting back out there and you know and 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 what feels a, a little bit safer. It may not mm-hmm. be, but you know we're wearing masks. We're doing what we can, you know. Um, and then uh, let's see, we're wa- continuing watching The Boys. It is really landing very well with Rosie. Oh, excellent. She's, yeah, she she's, uh, some of the remarks I'm getting, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, ooh, this might be at the top of the list for her or oh, definitely cool. around there. Yeah. Uh, so that's been fun. And then just really enjoying the hell out of Moon Knight so far. Have you been, have you been watching? I only watched the first um, the first episode. Okay. I, I have the second episode still ready to go. In fact, it's probably what I will do after we're done with the show. Ooh. I wanted to try and fit it in today, but I decided, you know, I think I will probably um, wait until after. I just did not have the... Yeah, just to not have the consciousness to be able to do it. This for way. sure, and you wanna you wanna really give it, you know, everything you can because, um, I mean, I feel like the first episode is kind of like the first round of a boxing match where the boxers are filling each other out. You know, the, mm-hmm. the story is is it's it's a little bit of a tease, but it works. It, you know, I really enjoyed the first episode, and then the second episode is like, okay, boom, here we go. Like, <laughs> well, that's because I was go. I was like really not looking forward to like I. Like I'm enjoying it, but not as like it's not ex- and I that might just be my the, my state of mind right now. I'm I'm completely owning that, but um, I think a lot of it is this feeling of um that like you said that whole kind of sizing each other up, and it's kind of like just just get into it. Hundred <laughs> percent, Joe. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's a pet peeve for me when it comes to you know television shows. Uh, um. And uh, I was a little worried about this as well. I was prepared to give it, you know, as much goodwill as possible. But um, no, it, it really takes off. I, I feel like it really takes off with the second episode. And so some of my friends that haven't even, you know, started it, I'm like, ooh, you're in for a treat. Binge the first two episodes back to back. You will. You, it, it'll be a great experience. So, yeah. Excellent. Okay, cool. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to that then. Yes, dude. Oh, my God. The visuals. The design of it, the the way they're approaching the story. Oscar Isaac is amazing. Um, we watched, we knew, I knew we were going to be watching Moon Knight and I wanted to watch something else that Oscar Isaac's been in because of the way he just disappears into roles sometimes all, right. a lot of the time. Yeah. One of my favorite movies is uh, Inside Lewin Davis, which is a um, Coen Brothers film uh, where he pays, plays a, a folk musician, a folk guitarist. Uh, in the sixties in New York. And um, so we had seen that already a long time ago. Cause I, I love that movie. So we watched uh, Rosie had not seen ex machina. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh yeah. Well, I think I was mentioning it to you last week. Like that's, that's the first time I kind of noticed Oscar Isaac and went, mm. Oh wow. He's, he's really, really good. Yes. Yes. And so great, great Alex Garland film. Uh, so we watched that, which was amazing. And then we watched moon Knight. 
and then for because I knew we were watching Logan, um, I watched we watched uh, Unforgiven. Okay, just to kind of you know familiarize ourselves with some of the themes, you know, kind of what Logan is is bouncing off of, you know, mm-hmm. in, in its storytelling. So um, yeah, it's been a fun, really geeky week overall. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Um, the only geekery I got into really this week is I've been listening to um, My Marvelous Year back and forth to work. Mm-hmm. So I can get through like an episode every day or two. And um, I think I mentioned it before. It's these two guys that are basically going from 1962 on and they try and pick the 10 biggest stories of the year in the Marvel that were published that year by Marvel. Mm. And so you get all like the introductions of all the characters and what order they kind of join. Um, they talk about how, like right now the big thing is how absolutely misogynistic Reed Richards is. Oh yeah. <laughs> they referred to him as, <laughs> they referred to him as Reed Draper once. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> That's crazy. I've been, I've been hearing a lot of talk about the fantastic four, obviously, you know, in mm-hmm, anticipation mm-hmm. of what the MCU is going to do. And a lot of the commentary about Reed has been how uh, problematic he is, which I don't feel was, I mean, it's always been a part of his character, but I don't know that it was always highlighted or pointed out or called out, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's really fun and interesting. I'm glad to see it being called out now because that's definitely going to have to be part of the take that the MCU has on the fantastic four, which will make for a more interesting character as well. I think. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I, okay. And so then I also, (laughs) because the fantastic four has been such a thing and because um, I've been watching the Nando casting stuff. I was going to ask about that. So I, I watched, I didn't care for the, I didn't care for his fantastic four casting, Um, but I I started watching the 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 newest Fantastic Four movie. Oh, <laughs> it's on in the background. I'm doing other stuff. Well, how did this happen? <laughs> well, I, I just I looked up and I kind of went, huh? And then I scrolled up because I was at my computer. I scrolled over the screen, and it was like two thirds of the way through. And I was like, nothing's fucking happened in this movie. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> like, they, they got their powers, but that was kind of anticlimactic. And mm. nothing's happened in this movie. Nothing. Like, I didn't even get to Victor. Like, I don't even know what happened to Victor. I don't really care. I didn't go back. I stopped. I was like, I'm done. This, this, yeah. is, this is a terrible movie. This is a yeah. really bad movie. Yes, I watched it one evening. I think it was like Thanksgiving. It's like the end of the night. Everyone's out. There's nothing to do. I think I was sick that year. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I'm just going to put something on and just, you know, it was like no expectations. Just I don't care. Just put it on. Take it in, you know, spend some time with it and then forget about it. And I couldn't even get through it, Joe. I, I was just like, and I think the disappointing thing for me was it was like, I'm not a huge Fantastic Four people. Some people live and die by the Fantastic Four, and I've mm-hmm. just been like, they're they're okay. They're cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I Honestly, I think I attribute it to the fact that they all wear the same jumpsuit, and it's just not exciting to me visually. <laughs> like, I just can't get into it. Um, well, they and- actually have an ex-jumpsuit. They do, but like when I when I got into it, it was more in the eighties, and they had all the colorful costumes, so that was got a little it. bit easier for me. Got it. And um, then you, New Mutants came along with their jumpsuits, and it was like, okay, I'm already invested. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I love those characters, so I'm all good. But I was just like, 
I I just want like I just want to see them use their powers in cool ways. Like Stingers. I figured like that that of all things like well sure they did that because how do you do that? How do you do a Fantastic Four movie and not do that? Oh wow, well this is this is how you do that. Right here. This is it's it's right there. Um so that is something that I like I feel like that's a 40 thank god I was doing something else cuz I feel like that was 45 minutes of my life that I am never getting back and was truly wasted. So it's interesting because Nando at the beginning of his X-Men casting video which I think is excellent, he does acknowledge that a lot of people did not care for his fantastic forecasting video. <laughs> Well, and I think it's a little bit different. It's a little bit like what we said. Like we enjoyed, I think, more casting DC actors into Marvel roles because everybody kind of knows who they are. Yeah. Although um, we're not casting Ezra Miller in anything ever again. <laughs> that was weird. Um, <laughs> just keeps getting weirder. Like I just Ray sent me a, an article about how he like got arrested again for just being an asshole. And I just like, what is wrong with people? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. He's really, he's, Oh God, he does not seem like a very good human being. And he's fucking things up, including his career and DC plans and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's not like, it's not like Marvel doesn't have that stuff going on there. And they're just better at keeping it quiet. Right. I was, yeah. I'm like, hmm. I don't know. I feel like um, I was talking about that going like, okay, so Marvel does have that stuff going on. It definitely gets called out. How? What is it? Is it goodwill from the audience that it sort of, you know, goes away? I mean, I don't know exactly what you're referring to, but I feel like a lot of it is just like, oh God, these people are like anti-maskers or whatever. Yeah, uh, and I think that's the worst of it. I mean, they're not actually physically yeah. getting arrested for things. Right, right. Um, that's yeah, that's a huge difference, right? Like assault, yeah. like assault <laughs> people. Assault is a little bit different than getting on and supporting truckers against vaccines like yeah. there's a little bit of a little <laughs> bit of true. a discrepancy there that's true yeah <laughs> um and, it, and i think at this point there's just so many people that are ridiculous like that that it's kind of like yeah well there had to be a few in the marvel universe <laughs> it's like it had to be sprinkled in there somewhere <laughs> um, but yeah so anyway so so it was the um my marvelous year. If you haven't, if you haven't listened to it, I I highly recommend it. They're they're not they're not Jay and Miles. I don't think anybody would be Jay and Miles. Jay and Miles is just a unique brand in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it's it, it's it's a fun it's a fun listen, especially when you like when they talk about how many origin stories have been made into movies and are pretty similar to the way they were in the sixties. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I shared with you, um, speaking of, of Nando's who should play Marvel's fantastic four, uh, video from two months ago. Uh, and I believe, I believe, uh, he even Nando even mentions this in, um, in his video, but Patrick Willem Willems made a great fantastic four video about five years ago. And I sent that to you and it's how to make a good fantastic four movie. 
And when you have about 13 minutes, check it out because um, he goes into much, much like he, much like Nando is doing with the X-Men casting. Now mm-hmm. Patrick goes into each character, their personalities, their history, what makes them a good character. And then talks about who should play them. It's not a casting video, but he talks about the stories. He talks about what a fantastic four movie should do their mm-hmm. powers, how they work together, how they relate to each other, all of that stuff. So it's, it's a really cool uh, video. Check it out. I think you might like it a lot more than the Nando's video. Yeah, that's cool. I do want to. I do want to check that out because I, I am. I want to. I want to like the Fantastic Four. I just have never been presented with anything that's been all that. I enjoy. I honestly enjoy them when they're working with other super teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's just very interesting. And one of the other things that they've brought up in my marvelous year that I don't know if we've gotten a rendition, and I apologize if we have, and I just don't remember. But have we seen Alicia Masters in the movies yet? Yes. Was she, was she in the second Fantastic Four film? Yes. Okay. Because um, I didn't realize that basically Alicia Masters saved the world, mm-hmm. like in the Marvel Universe. Like she's the one who talks the Silver Surfer into being a good person and getting Galactus off the planet. Mm. And when they're talking about how Daredevil at that in the 60s was all about like, I can't possibly burden – um, Karen Page with my, you know, with being disabled and and having to deal with a disabled, you know, boyfriend, and um, you know everybody just with like if you're in a wheelchair, if you got any disability whatsoever, like it's just oh woe is me. Um, and even Donald Blake, which is the Thor alter ego, it's like just he's just got a, like a limp and a cane, and it's like <laughs> the end of the world. And then here along comes Alicia uh, Masters, who is not only blind but also a woman, and she's never treated that way. Mm-hmm. She's not she's not like dismissed like Sue is. She's not you know her her lack of sight is not. Um, you know, uh, as as much of a burden as it is for Daredevil, who has superpowers to compensate. It's just a very, very interesting dynamic that they talk about in um, My Marvelous Year. Yeah, she was uh, in the second Fantastic Four movie that Fox made, uh, and she was played by Kerry Washington uh, from Scandal, Django Unchained, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray. Yeah, she's a great actress, and yeah, that was one of one of the few bright spots of that film. I think that film, maybe I'm maybe I'm reacting to the most recent Fantastic Four movie on this, but I'm like, <laughs> you know, those films weren't that bad, right? At the time, it's like, oh no, we got to do better than this, and then Fan 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 comes out, and it's like, oh, maybe those first couple of Fantastic Four films weren't that bad. Yeah, yeah. It, it's- <laughs> I'm I'm excited to see what Marvel does with it because absolutely it's going to be you know you know they're going to at least do it more just <laughs> they can, I don't know how you could not do it more justice than the other three films although I didn't think you could get any worse than the first two films and yet they've proved me wrong there so yeah yeah um what did you think of um or maybe we'll get into this while we're reviewing uh our, our films this episode but what did you think of uh, Nando's did you watch the whole thing of the um, the X Men casting, I watched. I've I've watched through the villains. Okay, you did. Yeah, I haven't seen the. I haven't seen the. Has he put out his third one yet? No, not yet. Um, he did a short follow up to the villains one, which 
I thought the villains one was excellent. He does yeah, a deep really dive. It is over an hour long, that video. Um, and then he followed that up with a short video about further exploring the possibilities with Magneto's origin and how to update it or whether or not to update it. So that's mm-hmm, a cool, mm-hmm. that's a cool one, but he has not released his third casting video on the X-Men, which is going to be giant size X-Men, which I can't wait for that. Oh, I'm so excited for that one. Yeah. That one's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah. But I thought the villains one was great. I love the way he talked about the importance of each villain in particular apocalypse Mm-hmm. Which I kept thinking about as I was rewatching right? <laughs> Apocalypse. Yes, right? I, I could not stop thinking about his about Nando's video while I was watching that. I I have major thoughts about Apocalypse. I have I think I have more thoughts about Apocalypse on this rewatch than I did the first time we covered it. Oh, I can't wait! I, I can't wait. I've I've got. I'm not I'm not Phoenix level angry, mm. but I'm I'm headed in that direction. <laughs> Cool. Let's get into it. All right. So on that note, um, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like video games, Star Wars, comics, movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu Reeves, new, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. And we're back. And uh, Ray, I don't know if you remember, but if you go back to when we talked about X-Men Apocalypse right after it came out, Mm -hmm. I believe I said something along the lines of, I think that this movie is getting a pass because it's the first superhero movie immediately after uh, Batman versus Superman. Oh, interesting. And I had a feeling that if we went back and watched it, we would not have the same um we would not give it the same leeway that we are giving it in that original recording. <laughs> I wonder I don't remember what my original take was. Um I remember not liking it. Like when I when, you know, when X-Men Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix come up for whatever reason, I, I know that I look at those movies and go, those are not good movies. Okay. And I've never had any interest in rewatching it. Um, but I, but I, I couldn't tell you exactly what my, you know, what my score, or what my take was when we originally reviewed it. I think, I think we kind of said it was, at least it was just kind of fun. Like it was just like, all right, it's cool. We're, you know, it's what it is. It's not mm. good, but you know, it's what it well, is. Well, I remember being disappointed because it was after Days of Future Past. This was the first X Men movie that you know since since um, First Class mm-hmm. that was going to be completely devoted to the younger cast. 
and and it was gonna feature the you know most of the original x-men team uh-huh. and so i was there was a lot of potential there this was the first real reboot movie right right and um i was really disappointed <laughs> so i'm like oh they're they're not gonna get this right okay no no, it, yeah. it was, it was, and then going back and watching it again, it was like, there's, it's not fun anymore. <laughs> so what do you, what did you think? What was your reaction going back and, and with this rewatch? Um, I just like, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Nope. <laughs> I actually think I might dislike this movie more than Dark Phoenix. Uh, see, I, we've we've talked about this. <laughs> and I, both both this and and you were you were going to toss Origins in there too, yeah. um, as worse than Dark Phoenix. And I, the only reason why I cannot get behind that is because this is the second time they've made the movie, and it was bad both times, and it was actually yeah. worse the second time. It so was that's worse wh- the second time. Yeah. So that's really why, like, if you're going to make the same movie twice and it gets worse, then it is like the worst of all the bad. Movies. That's that's how I. I, that's how I am approaching it because yeah. that one makes me angry. Like Apocalypse just makes me disappointed and bitter, but like Phoenix makes me physically, I have a physical reaction to Phoenix. I do think that with Dark Phoenix and with New Mutants, there's, you have a personal investment sort of, you know, element to it. I guess maybe, I, but again, it's just <laughs> like, I, you know what it is? It's the audacity because that's how I feel about this one. That's but, exactly but, how I feel about this one. But in but in Phoenix, it's like there's moments where he's sitting there going, ah, ah, see, I was right the first time. No. Like, no, <laughs> no, you were not. Like, stop it. <laughs> so, oh my God. So credits hit the screen at the end of X-Men Apocalypse, and it says written by Simon Kinberg. And I'm like, oh God. And then their choice after this movie was to let this guy direct the next one. Ugh. <laughs> like I just I just don't know how you look at these movies, these two movies, and go, yes, this is worthy for public consumption. I just don't understand. And what what does Apocalypse do in this movie? Yeah. Exactly. What does he do other than glamour shot the X-Men? <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. And the, to me, the audacity in this movie comes in because, honest, I mean, it's directed by Brian Singer, and I'm like, who? What is? <laughs> I was gonna say, what does Brian Singer have on these people? But hey, uh, <laughs> there might be something there. But because because he, he, you know, his first two X Men movies were what they were. And then the third one kind of proves a dead end for that take on those characters. Uh-huh. But then they bring in the same director immediately after they have a rejuvenation with First Class. And he leads them in, down the same path. And so it just feels like the, these are the choices that are made in Apocalypse are the thing, are, are what really made me feel like this is, this is, almost offensive to yeah it really is. Like, <laughs> to the fans like the way they treat angel i had to explain to rosie i'm like like warren worthington the third is like he's one of the original team members of the x-men he has this whole 
backstory he has this whole like identity is like he's this like posh rich kid and he's from this family and he's you know he, he, it defines a lot of of what the choices that he make and how he's trying to rebel against that and you know so then when he falls and becomes the archangel it's like a big deal because it's so tragic for this guy who's like happy go lucky and you know blah 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 and none of none no, of that no. it's the same it's the same problem with it's the same problem with gene gray to phoenix you can't have the emotional impact that those moments had in the comics if you don't know the characters beforehand mm-hmm. if i don't care about angel i don't care if he becomes this monstrosity of metal wings like yeah th- this doesn't matter exactly like, And it's such a, I'm sorry, it's such a Rob Liefeld kind of thought process of, oh, it's cool, we'll give him metal rings, like hardcore. It's like, no, that's not the point of the character. The whole point of the character is that he's twisted. It's body horror is what it is. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what it feels like. It feels like, oh, this will be a cool thing that happens, and then it's just a bunch of stuff happening. And uh, I feel the same way about Jean Grey. You think about, like, okay, we are... We are re. We have the chance here to reintroduce Scott Summers and Jean Grey in this movie franchise. This is a this is a a second chance at a first step at a first impression. Mm-hmm. And and how are we going to get these characters right? These characters with so much history that means so much to the fans and to the X Men, you know, s- story. How how are we going to do this? How are we going to really make sure that these characters are given some, a portion of the weight that they carry to X-Men fans. And it's none of that. That, that was never, it seems like that was never a consideration. We meet Jean Grey and she's, it's just like, it's the flattest, most anticlimactic introduction or scene. And then Scott is like this douchey, like bro who wants to break the rules and go to the mall. And it's like, that's not Scott. No, it's, it's not. It's never been Scott. There has never been a moment that Scott Summers has wanted to break the rules. Exactly. They, even, they even talk about when he does horrible things, it's because he truly believes that what he's doing is the right thing to do. Yes. And so there is never a moment in Scott Summers' life that he has ever gone, what should I be doing right now? Let me go against that. Right, exactly. And so I'm watching this movie going, oh my God, like they, these characters to them it's just like oh it's the dude that shoots like beams from his eyes they'll recognize him we have no reason to you know make any kind of connection with the audience where they're invested in this character care about this character whatsoever and they treat all the characters like that all of them no one cares about any of them every single one like it's just it's maddening where like okay so scott (laughs) is this rebel and i know that the thought process was like well this is going to be the whole thing where he starts out as a bad boy and then he realizes that he's got this much more important role great if that's what you're going to do then do it but you didn't do it (laughs) i know what you're trying to do you didn't do it you didn't do it at all yeah i just i just sat watching this movie going who who is nightcrawler like who is he? What is this? What is his personality? What does his character care about? Who's Jane Grey? What what's her personality? Is she like who is she? What is she? What does she care about? What's her what what is the reason that she's here and part of this team? What is her journey in this story? What about Scott Summers? 
What about Angel? What about like none, like none of we, these characters? Psylocke is hilarious to me in this oh, movie. Oh, Psylocke is painful. <laughs> what in the hell? Like, what is her role in life? Like, I don't even understand what she does. Like, she's just like. It made I, no sense. It's weird because she's in the beginning and you she's kind of like this. She's she's not on either side in the beginning. She just kind of shows up and then she decides to act and it's not clear why she does. And then she has a quick interaction with Apocalypse and then we never see her again until the last the last battle where she just jumps into the fray for no reason. And then she kind of like steps back into the shadows. She's well, it's, gone it's, again. Yeah, it's this whole it's this whole like idea that she is in love with Angel, and she's what? gonna. And they're, they're, I, I think this idea that she's in love with Angel and she's gonna rescue him is, I think, what they were trying to do. And again, they didn't do it. <laughs> they didn't even oh do God. it poorly. I like any I, of that. Well, I just just knowing the character, knowing that there's this long history between Psylocke and Angel, hmm. that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to go. Oh, she's in love with him. Um, but, but like, and who is he? What? Like, he's still like some wait, like eighties rocker dude that hangs out in a warehouse. <laughs> like, well, like what? When, 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 when in the history of X-Men has Angel ever been a friggin' cage fighter? I don't understand. I don't understand. Like who, who looks at this character and goes this, the, the, the rich, arguably the richest X-Men Right after uh, Sunspot and and Professor X is cage fighting for absolutely no fucking reason. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. What a terrible introduction to to his character and Nightcrawler as well. And I, while I was watching that scene, I was juxtaposing it in my mind to the original X Men cage fighting movie scene which is in the first x-men movie where we get an introduction to logan what? and how interesting to what a difference in approach that cage fighting scene is like it's it's weirdly surreal and goofy there's a there's a moderator or an announcer with a mm-hmm, weird mm-hmm. mustache and i'm like is that a character why are there, it, it, it go adventure for me adventures into batman and robin territory Yes. Where it's just like neon lights and nonsensical, really theatrical, goofy characters. And it's like, what is what is the goal here? Is it camp? It it feels a little bit like camp, but then only in spots. It's it's really bizarre for me. Yeah. And, and then I, I forget how it came up, but I think I said something about having to watch Apocalypse for this for this episode. And one of my actors in my musical, <laughs> she goes, oh, my God, I love Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler is not an emo teenager. The worst – like she just went off. <laughs> this is like senior in high school just going off on the representation of Nightcrawler in that movie that came out four years ago. <laughs> it was like – or even more than that at this point, like yeah. what, five, six years ago. And <laughs> she was angry and I was like, girl, I feel like – I'm going to say it sounds like she was right on too. Oh, um, yeah. Like just awful, awful, you know, awful, awful. Now that I'm thinking about it, because you mentioned, you know, Nightcrawler as an emo teenager, I I bet you what they did, Joe, 
I bet you the choice to set this movie in the 80s mm-hmm. was the undoing of this of this story, of this take. Because I bet what they did is they took the X-Men, they looked at the X-Men roster of characters, mm-hmm. and they said, we need to fit them into the Breakfast Club-like format. Like, right. Team. So... We need someone to be the douchey jock. We need someone to be the princess. We need someone to be the nerdy. And and they just thought, who's close enough? Oh, Scott. Okay, he he'll be the the douchey jock. Like with with no thought whatsoever given to who these characters actually are and why they're you know why the fans are supporting this like huge budget movie in the first place. You made their misstep sound so much cooler. <laughs> that it actually is because I would watch the Breakfast Club recast with X Men. <laughs> I would. I like if you're gonna do that, then absolutely make make sure put Cyclops in that role. But then he's not a douchey jock because he just is like fight the power. He's a douchey jock because he feels all this pressure because that's what Emilio Estevez's character was he that's felt so all this pressure like, like you throw you you have Jubilee in the movie make her do something make her be the weirdo alt kid like so basically they, they misunderstood both the X-Men and the Breakfast Club yeah, they seriously <laughs> did like I just I just don't I don't understand how hard it is you have decades literally decades Decades of material to pull from. You yeah. are not a better writer for the X-Men than Chris Claremont. Yeah. Stop thinking you are. Also, I think that um, the way they treat Apocalypse is its just so wasteful because mm-hmm. he, he is like what Thanos is to the Marvel Universe. He is to the X-Men. Yeah. And so he's the kind of threat that, you know, you, you culminate towards, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not like a single movie sort of throwaway villain who, again, mm-hmm. hardly does anything. I think it was interesting the way they started to approach his character, but then by the end of it, and I mean, I get that they're going to have to adapt some of these powers or whatnot, but the way it just didn't make any sense the way they adapted them. It seems like they, their approach was to just make them as vague as possible. Right. So well, they and- didn't have to, you know, build a, an, any kind of arc or any kind of, you know, uh, substantial conflict that made sense. Uh, the X the X Men franchise, especially this newer part, the newer half of it, is the this. It's they did the same thing to the X Men that DC did to, or the yeah, the DC did to all their movies. They rushed them. Mm-hmm. They they were like, I want to get to the finish line, so therefore. We're not going to build any of these characters. We're not mm-hmm. going to make them feel substantial. We're not going to, we're just going to one and done them all because back in the day when Batman was first released and we got rid of the Joker in the first movie, we set this precedent that you're, you get a big name villain, a big name to play the villain so that, you know, they're only going to be in one movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, you go, you go out with them. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> bad. Yeah. Exactly. You build you build the legend and the and the you know foreboding uh uh threat of apocalypse over movies. You maybe have the X-Men, the young X-Men face him once 
as, you know, as he is just the sort of, you know, powerful mutant and barely defeat him, barely by like, Mm -hmm. you know, by luck or whatnot. And then the X-Men go on this whole space adventure, you know, with the Shi'ar Empire involved or whatnot. And then you get to see Apocalypse actually, you know, using pieces of Shi'ar technology to augment his mutant powers Mm -hmm. uh, and, and become the Apocalypse that we know. And he comes back. You know what I mean? Like... The, the, it's all there. Like it's all there in the text already. Have him, have him recruit over the course of four movies that have nothing to do with him. Ooh. Have him recruit his four, his four horsemen. Ooh, I love that. At the, at the end in your post credit scene, you take one of the characters who has had a tragic mm-hmm. quote unquote ending from that movie. One's a Morlock. One's a marauder. What you know? You just take one character for one's movie. angel. One's angel. He's the last one. Yeah. Now you all. Had, yeah. Now you've had four movies to build up this character of angel yes. with no with no no idea in mind. Like like Rosie sitting there watching has no idea that this is what's going to happen to this character. Yep. Exactly. And and then all of a sudden it's tragic, and you yep. do that the like. Like you have you have Dark Phoenix be the uh, the movie before that, and then you're going to do this to the next character. It's like holy crap, you're going to mess up all of our X Men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's how you build it. And I mean, if if you neither you nor I, I don't think you didn't study film in in college, right? You were nope, you were an art nope. major. Like we didn't. We're not we're not film majors. <laughs> this is not our profession. How can we sit here and look at this and the professionals are missing it? I don't understand. Also, speaking of Oscar Isaac being great in so many movies, the poor guy is wasted in this. He does nothing. Yeah. Like, literally, there is a shot of uh, somebody doing something. I can't remember if it was was Angel or somebody is in the foreground. And you see in the background, he's, like, tailoring the guy's outfit and putting on makeup. It's like, (laughs) what, what are you doing? Now, if you swapped Apocalypse out for... Mr. Sinister, mm-hmm. this whole movie would have made a lot more sense. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, he's also, Oscar Isaac's also talked about how much he did not enjoy making this movie. Did he and say specifically what it was about? I mean, we we can guess, but did he, like, maybe, like, the thing, what is the, this thing? The things that I've read is that it was extremely uncomfortable to be in the suit and the makeup, that he could barely move, that he developed back problems from filming this movie and the harness that he would have to wear and that he didn't feel that he could properly act through, you know, their approach to filmmaking with the green screens and within all the actors being there at the same time and with the prosthetics and the, and the suit that he was wearing, he's like, it it was like, it was like trying to act through a brick wall. He's like, and, and, and it led to physical problems for him too. So he just, he said he did not, he did not uh, enjoy this at all. That's, I mean, you you can tell. <laughs> so there's something that Nando points out in his in his video about casting Apocalypse that I cannot unsee now is the fact that Oscar Isaac is not a large man. No, uh, <laughs> he's you know he's a uh, uh, five nine, which you know is a little, a little above average, but 
he's a short dude overall, especially when you're surrounded by six foot actors. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know, Apocalypse is larger than life. Apocalypse should be a CGI Hulk size. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, he should be huge. <laughs> and and Nando points out some clips in his in his video where Oscar Isaac is standing around as, as Apocalypse next to Storm and next to some other people, and he's shorter than them. <laughs> And now I can't unsee it when we're watching again, Apocalypse. I'm like, oh my God, look at how small he is. And again, all that takes is here's an apple crate. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't understand. This is bad. <laughs> like, this is, not, this is not an unsolvable problem. If right. everybody is 6'2 and, and your, your lead actor, who's supposed to be the big scary guy, is 5'9, then you get a two foot. Apple mm-hmm. grade, you stick them on top of it. Listen, if, if we, if we, if Peter Jackson can do, you know, hobbits next to wizards and, you know, in pre- with practical effects. Right? I mean, <laughs> you should be able to figure this one out. Like, this is not that hard. It does just, seem, it does, mm. uh, you know, I'm, now that I said it, I am thinking a lot about the trajectory of those early Batman films from Batman 1989 to you know uh uh batman and robin and kind of what happened there and how it just seemed like they were given the filmmakers were both given more and more leeway and at the same time gave less and less care and attention to to the films it it, this this kind of feels like the same trajectory for these x-men films you know right Right. Well, and I think that's part of the reason why the Marvel films in general have not been not had that effect is because they are looking they have always been looking at this is a long haul yeah. cohesive universe. We can't let that happen to the characters because yeah. Then then we run out of things to do with them. Yeah, the characters are all we have. The characters are the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a saving grace for the MCU. You know, I I I get that there is a huge backlash now. I mean, I spend a lot of time on Twitter and, you know, film film Twitter and whatnot and geek Twitter. There is a, a pretty large backlash against Marvel films in the MCU. And I get it. First of all, you know, when you're on top, you're going to you're going to have people rooting you know, against you, right? Yeah, haters just, are going to hate. Yeah, yeah. But also, you know, I think what the, what a lot of uh, these people that are disparaging of, of the MCU re- are reacting to is a huge segment of MCU fans that consider the MCU films to be the greatest pieces of cinema in the history of movie making, which I would react against that too. I'd be like, now hold on. I love Marvel. I, I super enjoy the MCU. Like it's my, f- one of my favorite things going today. But I also recognize that I enjoy them for what they are, you know, which is these really cool comic book movies telling the superhero stories that I grew up watching. And I think they're doing it in a great fucking way. Um, but the one of the reasons they get, you know, the, the, the level of fandom support that they do is because they clearly care about the characters. Right. And it's like, what more do you want as a fan? Right. If 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 these other studios could just get their shit together like we haven't even you and i have not discussed in our weekly geekery the what happened with morbius (laughs) i i'm sorry is there was there a who's who's this morbius (laughs) um 
would just pretend. That, yeah, just uh, we will not speak its, its name. But um, you know, when you <laughs> as got- soon as I'm sorry, I gotta interrupt. As soon as you say, so this character is gonna be played by Jared Leto. I'm like, I'm Dude. sorry, I don't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. I'm gonna be over here. Bye. <laughs> I mean, you got apocalypse and dark phoenix and fantastic four coming from this side you got fucking morbius coming from this side (laughs) and you got second venom (laughs) you got fucking flash like attacking people from the (laughs) other side like what of course the mcu is gonna seem like the greatest thing since sliced bread like what the hell it's not the mcu's fault and i'm sorry if you want i'm gonna be i'm gonna be real if you want me to tell you which movie should have been had a nomination for Academy Awards, it's Logan. And we haven't gotten to that yet, but yeah. there's yeah. several there. Like, it is a brilliant piece of filmmaking. Universally Mar- praised. Universally. And, and I am not saying that Marvel movies are Logan. Like, I'm not... Mm-hmm ever claiming mm-hmm. that that is the caliber that most Marvel movies are are on. That's but if point. you cannot look at what they accomplished in 23 movies and watch Endgame and not go, holy shit, that's impressive, then you're just bitter and angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, and there's a lot of those people out there. <laughs> really? I, <laughs> I'm shocked. If you yeah. can see my shocked face right now. <laughs> I mean, I don't even love Batman and I, you know, and I can see that it's such a great character and, you know, Batman's got a a lot of legs that, that story, you know, as, as we all know, has survived so many different iterations. Um, But there's other really great characters that are not getting their, you know, their time to shine, unfortunately. Well, and I still haven't, have you seen the new Batman movie? Yeah, I I wasn't that crazy about it. I'm glad people are enjoying it, but I think I'm just sort of, you know, Batman fatigue is setting in for me. Well, well, for me, it's kind of like like I've just I don't have trust in any. Like, why am I going to? I my time, as we have established this week, my my time is very valuable, and at this point, I don't have the time unless unless I'm going to actually cover it for this podcast, mm-hmm. which we've kind of really pulled back what we're going to cover because we're, like neither of us have even at all suggested that we were going to cover Morbius. Mm-hmm. I think, I think at some point in the, in the future, we should just like gather up all the movies that we just never bothered to watch. <laughs> when we're really out of content. <laughs> and we'll do a, we'll do a, this is the worst of the worst episode, but, oh, God. but like, we just don't like, we don't even, we don't even mention or talk about it anymore because it's kind of like if, I'm not going to invest the time in somebody else's franchise. Mm. I don't have that time. I know, I know I'm, I'm going to get something quality for Marvel. It might not always be a hundred percent my thing. We're going to like some more than we're like others, but at least we know the quality that we're going to get is, is going to be higher than average. And it's going to pay tribute to the characters that we love. I, I just I do. don't trust anybody else to do it at this point anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. And I think, on your suggestion of watching these movies that we skipped. Uh, that just reminds you of that suggestion I had uh, a while back where we we would do a, a very special episode of Geekitude uh-huh. uh, where where we could we could mystery science theater it. 
Yes. Where where we we press <laughs> we we agree we press countdown to the beginning of the podcast countdown. You press play on the movie, and then we watch the movie, you know, on our headphones so that the audio is not bleeding through. Mm-hmm. And we just react and talk about what we're seeing on the screen, like whenever we have time, you know, whenever we're, we're prompted to do so. And right. then listeners, obviously, it wouldn't be a podcast that you could listen to in your car or something like that. You would have to sit down with us and press play on the movie at the same time. And then you can listen to us react. I think that would be a, a fun thing to do maybe once or twice a year, maybe a Patreon thing. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we should maybe we should start up a Patreon simply so that we can do that. Uh, no, I think that's a great idea. I think there's a lot of movies that that would be a lot of fun to watch with. Um, you know, I mean, even ones that we've covered multiple times, I would sit down and do that with with um, with either Apocalypse or Phoenix. Just at this at this point, Ray, I will rewatch those movies when I need to be angry. When that's a feeling I need to feel, <laughs> I will watch those movies. So like you. You said something interesting about um, Batman mm-hmm. in that, you know, you're saying it, it seems like our our geek fandom, our movie watching habits have gone from, oh, this movie is coming out. I hope this is good to, well, is this going to lead to a franchise of good movies? Because if not, I'm not even going to bother with the first one, even though it may be good. Like our expectations have shifted. Right. And I think that is because of Marvel. Yeah. But I, but I but also I think, like if but, you were if you were going to tell me that there was just going to be a solitary movie for a comic franchise like a, a, a comic IP and they're like and they just came out from the thing we're not making this a series we're not making this, this is not going to be a trilogy it's a one and done because we really want to make this movie and it's by somebody that I trust like you know you come on and you go oh do you know who's directing and writing this, this is a really good team mm. then maybe I'd go see it mm. but. I'm tired of like I I don't I don't care about DC anymore because they're trying to franchise their stuff and it's yeah. all bad. Yeah. I mean they'll and when they do get some good hints they 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 spend that capital real quick. No no spoilers here, minimal spoilers on the Batman, mm-hmm. but it is not free of that impulse itself. Right. Um so so that I feel like that leads me to Logan. Okay. Because one thing that, you know, that movie is, that's fucking cinema. And oh, yeah, it's so good. And have you watched the Nando movie on that? Uh, not the Nando, the, um, the oh, new rock stars? Oh, no, oh, my, no, I have not. Oh, my God, Ray. I watched that this morning instead of Moon Knight because I was like, I want, I, I Ray is much better at being like <laughs> the film buff than I am. And I, I know that there are all sorts of references to movies that I have not watched in here because especially because they're Westerns. And so <laughs> I need to educate myself. And he breaks down like where these movies, like what oh, the movie, awesome. the cinematic um, influences are and where it that's comes great. from. It's such a good movie. I okay, it's such we're a good video. That. I highly, highly recommend. We're watching that after we're done recording. Um, But um, so with Logan, which Five stars across the board for Rosie. Yes. Like, yes. she just, <laughs> I know, I know something has really impacted her when she goes, when did this come out? Like, what, she <laughs> wants to know, like, what was I walking around doing in my life when this was happening and I had no clue, you know? Right, right. But I do think that part of uh, what Logan benefits from is the fact that it's like the fourth Wolverine movie. It's well, it's like the third solo. No, it is the fourth solo Wolverine movie. No, wait, we have X-Men Origins Wolverine, we have the Wolverine, and then we have this one. Right. Yeah, so so the okay. Third. 
So it's the third, but the, he's also been in a bunch of other X Men movies, right? And and so the thing is, though, none of those movies were good. Some of them were really bad, and yet, right. none, nonetheless, we have spent that time with the character. So you don't even have to make good movies to have a payoff like this, right? Exactly. You know, the the number of times I wanted to tear up between his interactions with with um, Xavier. Oh God! It's just like like. Like these are two men that have been they they have had so many dynamic relationships in their lives, and you've seen them. You've had the moments where you've seen um, uh, uh, Professor X and Wolverine, the friends. Professor X, the mentor to Wolverine. Wolverine, the kind of reality check for professor x you've seen the dynamics go in all different directions so there's such a history with them like i don't think you could have put any other two characters that we've seen so far in any franchise whatsoever Mm. and had this powerful of an impact it's so powerful yeah patrick stewart's performance in this is just amazing (laughs) Robbed, he should have gotten the Academy Award for it. But you know, you know how we feel about the Academy Awards at this point. On this, at least the nomination. Yeah. Um, it's also interesting to me the way Logan impacts the timeline because you know, after Days of Future Past, that one, when Logan and Professor X meet in the first X Men movie, for Professor X, he may not have to read Logan's mind in that moment to know something about him. Mm-hmm. You know, in the first X-Men, we were thinking, oh, he's reading his mind. That's how he knows he's Logan. That's how he knows about Alkali Lake, blah, blah, blah. But perhaps not, right? right. Uh, because he'll remember him from the 1970s. And then at the end of Days of Future Past, when Logan walks into his office and goes, I'm back, you know? Yeah. And, and as you mentioned in our last podcast, Professor X has like been waiting for him yeah. right, to, to catch up. And then this, I kept thinking about that in this movie because I'm like, oh, that that ending that we thought we got that wrap up at the end of days of future past where they seemingly give you know the the first cast the original cast of x-men their their happy ending we know in logan that they all die at the hands of professor x mm-hmm. and that this is what this is where you know xavier and logan end up together in this one yeah and this is a beautiful moment where i do think that they created something outside of the comics that was good, like was amazing. Like mm-hmm. this has got hints to things in the comics, mm-hmm. but this story does not exist in the comics. Right. Right. There's like bits and pieces here and there. I do think that speaks to the the vision of James Mangold and Hugh Jackman, their mm-hmm. collaboration, they clearly knew after the Wolverine, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Logan in Japan, they knew that they had something together. Yeah. They knew that. And they wanted, they enjoyed that collaboration and they wanted to collaborate further, which is how we got this movie. And the th- again, I'm going to go back to the care. Like the, mm-hmm. the, you could tell that they care about this character, all these characters, they care about this story and it's important to them to get it right. Yeah. And that is, that is the difference. Yeah, it really, it really is. And I, they, they go over in the new rock stars video, some of the decisions that were made and why they were made. Mm. Um, 
one of the ideas thrown out was to do old man Logan as is. And, um, but they didn't have the rights to the other Marvel characters mm. because I guess Hawkeye and the Hulk are the two big, um, yes. and they said they, they had briefly considered switching out the Hulk for the blob and, mm. um, the, and Hawkeye for Cyclops mm. or Cyclops for Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that would have been interesting. I'm glad they didn't do it. I'm glad they created something new and original on their own. Yeah. And and their take on X23. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) he says in that movie, he's like, he says, uh, Patrick Stewart's reaction to her throwing the... um, the head and fighting all these people is just kind of this like <laughs> this awkward laugh and yeah. goes, because we're all watching this little girl get harpooned and decapitate people oh, and it's disturbing it really is it's really shocking and and they they use that to the right effect right and i i think i think you got a very it, it's interesting how you have a similar concept and get a very different reaction from kick-ass mm-hmm. you know oh, yeah you know a, and it's yeah. both both are are a a similar similar formula but because of the tone they're setting with everything you could like that's two things you could sit in a, a film class and sit there and compare this is two very violent scenes starring little girls and Two completely different feelings and completely different outcomes for this. Yeah, that's true. And both well done. Both well done. Yeah, exactly. But X-23 is terrifying. Right? Terrifying. (laughs) Like, talk about like a berserker rage. (laughs) And then the reactions from Logan are also great. Yeah. (laughs) Because he always can't believe what he's watching. I'm telling you, man, this is why I teach high school and not like elementary. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it was really cool to see someone that doesn't know these characters from the comics and even the bits and pieces that they're, you know, grabbing from different stories has uh, and no awareness of that whatsoever. And just to see how, how much, how effective their story is. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and I think, and I, I, I don't doubt that both him and both, uh, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Ma- I Mangle? want to say Merrick. Mangold, yeah. uh, Mangold, and um, and Hugh Jackman. Jackman. I think I'm sure they did their research. They they read. I'm sure they went through and read all the source material of like, all right, where do we have old versions of these characters? Like, where do these characters end up? Right. I, I know they did their research. There's no way they could not have done the research because, again, they're paying tribute to the characters and they're treating them respectfully. I think it was really bold to a Hugh Jackman and it's really impactful to see his, his take on Logan in this film compared to how much he's tried to stay in shape and look as best as he could throughout all these movies. And don't get me wrong. He still is jacked in this movie, but the, the presentation of this character, it's like, you can tell he's deteriorating and it's just, Hard to look at in you know in in some scenes. Did you know he he said he trained harder for this wow. iteration than he did in anything, and it was he goes it was really hard because they don't shoot the scenes in order. 
and he needed to be able to adjust the look of the character. Wow. Based on where it was in the movie, because they needed to portray the, 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 the degradation of his body because he's basically got adamantium poisoning throughout yeah. the entire yeah. film. And so, you know, he said he, he has never trained. So, uh, but Patrick Stewart lost like something like 10 to 20 pounds for the Jeez. Movie. Yeah. These and, you guys know, and I, and that, like you hear that and you go, Oh God, that's not good for somebody your age. Stop. Right. <laughs> like, right. I'm concerned. But you know, he was like, no, it's like, I like, that in and of itself should earn the guy an Academy Award nomination. Yeah, they're, they look absolutely fucking terrible in this movie. Oh, they definitely, do. Definitely impacts, you know, it's, it's the right choice for this story, uh, which is heartbreaking in so many ways. I mean, to see, like, you know, the powerful Wolverine can't even get his claws out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the whole angle they take with these children and how they're you know they're born to like kidnapped women in mexico like it touches on so many things that are happening in real life um i felt the same way it kind of reminded me of children of men uh one of my favorite movies by alfonso cuaron and uh starring um oh what's his name the british actor um and uh just how, you know, that story, which is set a little bit in the future, basically takes what's happening now and just amps it up a little bit. Just kind of says, this is this is where this could go. And it it makes the story like like very scary because you yeah. recognize too many things in it going, oh shit. Like that's we're we're already on the path to that. And yeah. uh, Logan does that in a really effective way. And well, it's and Pat- heartbreaking. Patrick Stewart did an interview because like when they started filming it, it wasn't quite to that level. The, the debates in, in, in the U S weren't that weren't caught up to that yet. He's like, this is really a situation where we like created a dystopian future that real life caught up to real quick. Like all of a yeah. sudden it looked like all of a sudden it looked like we were making a commentary and we were, but it was a lot more poignant by the time we published or we, we released the film because it was, it, you know, like it had, it had, it had headed into that direction so drastically in such a sharp turn. Oh yeah. And you're right. There's so many, like there's so many cool nods to, or not nods, but like they incorporate characters throughout other X-Men comics in a way that, is different, you know, is meant to serve this story, but doesn't feel disrespectful mm-hmm. to, to the other, you know, to, to the actual characters from the comics. I think of like not only X23, which is very different in the comics, but the Reavers are a great example of that, which are really cool X-Men villains. And the way they're sort of introduced in this almost sort of still leaves room for them to end up being what they are in the comics. Right. But honestly, it was it is a very like I think this is the coolest the Reavers have ever been. Yeah. yeah. Um, for, for people who don't know the Reavers, uh, a lot of them, I don't know if all of them, but a lot of them are made up of people that uh, like just like those, those extras, the red shirts in all the X-Men comics leading up to their, their arrival who have lost limbs and, and been um, severely harmed by Wolverine mm-hmm. and have replaced those body parts with robotics. 
So, God. you know, he's really he's he's responsible for a lot of reverse in yeah. in the in the comic books. And so they clearly have like, you know, a vengeance or a vendetta against Logan, mm-hmm. which makes them even more, you know, uh, I guess uh, dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, it was really cool to see them in a movie finally. And again, not exactly what you get in the comics, but still really cool and obviously treated with care because they're important characters. Right. Um, who else? I mean, I, I don't know. You watch the you watch the new Rockstars video. I'm sure there's a lot other characters. Oh. You know who was cool to see? Actually, really interesting to watch Caliban in X-Men Apocalypse, which I forgot he was in that. Right, right. And then to immediately see him pop up again in Logan, that was like, that wasn't planned, right? That was really interesting. Right. No, it wasn't planned. And again, talk about terrible representations of a character. Oh, my God. In Apocalypse... He's like this sleazy underground slave trader person thing. <laughs> and in the comic books, he's this sad little wide-eyed Morlock. The Morlocks are, are mutants that are too um, non-human looking to live amongst regular humans. So they live in the New York sewers. And mm-hmm. and Caliban is this gaunt, skeletal, really young guy who he kidnaps Kitty Pride, right? Is the one he's in love with? I think so. He falls in love with Kitty Pride and kidnaps him, her because he wants her to to be his girlfriend, basically. Like it's this like really innocent you know, it's 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 talking about, you know, being able to pass in society. It's like this really, really sweet thing. And all of a sudden he's this like swarmy underground cr- cr- um like slave trade character. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. And, and another another time that a, an innocent character is warped and destroyed by Apocalypse, and mm. and you feel something for them because you're like, you know, all all the all the Morlocks are killed by the Reavers in the not the Reavers the the Marauders Marauders. And Caliban survives and feels like he couldn't do anything to help them. And so he allows himself to be transformed into death by apocalypse. (laughs) So it's like, it's like, again, it's this whole body horror, like innocence lost and all of that completely gone with this character. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Caliban was a horseman of the apocalypse. Oh yeah. He was death. Oh, that's, oh, (laughs) that's so annoying. does because he was hurt? right there. He was right there in a scene with Apocalypse. Right. And it, and it, and it and it hurts because you like it was a character that back then was played with a lot of mm. like you had a lot of sympathy for the character. He was really sweet. He he didn't yeah. was trying to be a bad guy. He was an unintentional villain. Yeah. And and then he watches all his friends die and then he's like, "Well, I have to be strong to be able to defend myself and others." And then Wow! Apocalypse takes advantage of that. that. That's a good story. Yeah. Why did we get this? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Yeah. Because they needed someone for their, you know, their recreation of the underground rave scene from Blade. <laughs> 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 but but in Logan, we get a Caliban that we really care for. That's a that's a, a tragic character. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like his his power is to find mutants. There aren't any mutants anymore. He's basically mm-hmm. got all the negative af- um, aspects of his mutant powers and none of the positives. Like he can't right. do anything with it. Right. Yeah. So 
uh, Apocalypse is just is so bad. Just yeah, so it, bad. It was re- and you know, to be honest, Joe, I we watched these out of order because I was so excited to watch Logan <laughs> that you know, we watched Unforgiven. A couple nights later, we put on Logan. I knew it was gonna go over well, and it did. And then I looked, I was like, oh yeah, we're watching Apocalypse also this week. And I looked at our watch order and I was like, oh shit, we were supposed to watch Apocalypse first. Oh well. (laughs) Um, Which, you know, the only reason I really cared is because I said to Rosie, I said, hey, so Logan is the last time that Hugh Jackman has played Wolverine. And he has said that he wants that to be his last take on the character. You know, and, and he's had opportunities to to play him again, you know, cameo here and there, and, and he's chosen not to. I know that uh, Ryan Reynolds is desperately trying to get him to show up in Deadpool 3, mm-hmm. and it's not been confirmed that he will yet, uh, but this is sort of the last time we see him. And then I put on Apocalypse, and I was like, oh, wait. Um, so Apocalypse came out before. Uh, there's this story. I literally paused the movie and was like, okay, so there's this whole storyline for Logan <laughs> and it's really important to the character. It's a character defining story for, for Wolverine. And uh, we're going to get this like little throwaway two minute scene <laughs> in Apocalypse. Just so you know, you know, the, the contraptions that he's wearing are actually a huge deal, a huge signifier to the fans, but it's, it's meaningless. Like it's, it's yeah, it, it, it plays no part in it. Like I'm surprised that he did it. <laughs> yeah yeah. It, it, yeah it was it was no he probably figured we're never gonna make a weapon x film this is gonna be cool for the fans you know i might as well get do this at least uh put, <laughs> and put on probably headset. bumped up his pay for the little oh, work, yeah. no pay a little sure. work, big pay yeah and then uh, another thing that happens at the end i thought we were done with apocalypse but the whole essex corporation stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> that goes nowhere no nowhere at all oh my god um yeah, but anyway, back to Logan. I don't know. I that movie. I mean, not kidding. Racking sobs at the end of that movie. Oh yeah. The whole the whole interaction and payoff with, um, with Laura slash X twenty three played by Daphne Keene, who I didn't realize that she was the actress in um his Dark Materials. I haven't seen that. Yeah, that's. I started watching it. I didn't stick with it, but um. She's the she's playing the, the character in, in that uh, HBO franchise, which is pretty cool. But um, she's just great in this. It's her first film project. Um, and that whole interaction at the end that's built towards like they finally make that connection and acknowledge it. And then she moves on. Oh, like mm-hmm. devastating. Yeah. Devastating. Yeah. <laughs> um, some cool things that they did. They they had options of um, showing they were the he. Mangold considered putting in a mutant underground, like a scene Ooh. of like a, a mutant underground railroad and oh. um, run by Cyclops. Wow. But was like, he really wanted to keep the, the um, mutant. Um, what are they called? Um, where they jump in for just a second cameos, the, the, the other mutant cameos to a minimum. Um, there are, Thoughts as to the the woman at the end who says you're you're cleared for asylum. Um, there's thoughts that that's um, Heather. Um, oh, what's her face? Guardian from Alpha Flight. 
Oh, I do not know that character. <laughs> Heather, what's her name? Like, you know, the, the the people that were played by the old couple in... Um, oh, that's right. <laughs> Hudson, Heather Hudson. God, um, the way so they there's treat a some of these characters. In their yeah, there's movies. a suggestion that that's Heather Hudson. Um, there's also a suggestion that it might be Emma Frost mm. um, that is trying to create a, a, a haven for... Because I guess she creates a haven in the comics for mutants at one point when she gives up on trying to be in the but, but before she before she becomes an X Men but after she's part of the Hellfire Club there's this like Emma Frost that's just trying to like protect mutants and the, uh, they suggest that that might be who that is that group at the end is is supposed to be the new mutants right no okay. No, no, they are. They are all other than Richter, but I mean, he's. They say that he's. They're all. They're none of them are actually mutants. They're they're um, genetically modified people. Like they were like mutant DNA placed with embryos. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Because apparently the like, there's all these references to like junk food and and these like corn syrup drinks and everything. And um, the main scientist bad guy has been basically putting in this anti-mutagen drug in all of these foods that everybody's consuming. So they've just basically stopped producing mutants. Like right. people, mutants aren't just being born anymore because it's it's keeping the X gene from being passed on. Yeah, that was really interesting uh, how those bits of the story I had never really keyed in on before. And they're right there. You know, they, yeah. they you see all these ads for sugary drinks and all this stuff that people are consuming. And then, yeah, I caught that, that line. It's just a quick line. Yeah. That kind of explains why no more mutants are being born. Yeah. And so then because there's no more mutants being born, it allows them to take all this DNA that they've, they've held on to and use it to make weapons. Right. Yeah. God, and so go ahead. Well, and then and then that leads them to making the the Wolverine clone, which is basically like I think we mentioned this the first time we covered this movie, where he's basically having to fight his younger self, like he's fighting who he was, like the last vestiges of his bestial right. That's rage all- and anger. Yeah, that you know X twenty four. I think it's referred to at one point, like on one of the files. That it's it's all the the non-human, the animal parts of Wolverine, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like his very nature that he's always, you know, had to battle with, he's like literally physically fighting in this mm-hmm. film, which is a really cool choice. Um, and uh, it's interesting too, how they say the reason they went that way is because the children have morals, have, you know, agency and become harder and harder to control. Mm-hmm. And so they say, okay, f- Fuck it, scrap that program. <laughs> right. Know, literally, like just, you know, uh, uh, do away with all of the resu- lab results, which are little children. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, let's put all our energy and effort into this X24. Yeah, and they show how just awful that these poor kids, like oh my kid, God. kid who throws the kid who throws himself off the building, dude, that shit is triggering, isn't it? It's like Ooh. it's like it's intense. All of those lab scenes, all of them is just yeah, really hit hard. They're horrifying. Yeah, no, it's a it's an amazing movie. Like it is, it is. I think I think that's where we realized wow, superhero movies can be a lot more than just superhero movies. 
stories. Yeah. And I think it's a great way to sort of for Hugh Jackman to go out mm-hmm. because he obviously really cared about this character. It became important to him, you know, the responsibility of playing such a fan favorite character. Uh, I think he did everything he possibly could with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think with, with, what and who he was working with, I think he got the most he could out of the character, uh, given that these X-Men movies are definitely from a time where we were still figuring out the the superhero movie formula. Right. And you can see his growth as Wolverine from the first movie. Now that we've watched them so closely together, you can see how, like, in the beginning, he doesn't even really know who the character is. Yep. There's moments where you're just like, this is a really poor portrayal of Wolverine. Yeah. <laughs> like when he's yeah. on the when he's on the the train talking to Rogue, and it's like, th- th- yeah, you just don't have him. You don't have him yet. And then I think he really kind of clues in on um, X two, and yes. from there it just gets better and better. Even even in Origins, the movie's terrible. It's not his fault. No. It's not at all. It's not even and and Leave Schreiber is again like great performance. Yeah, terrible movie. Yeah, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Movie. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see Nando's thoughts on casting. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of people online that you know you can find who the who the fan favorite possibilities are for casting Wolverine. Um, shoot, me and Rosie as we're rewatching the boys, we're like, geez, if. Uh, this is the guy who plays Butcher. If uh, he was a little bit younger, he'd make a great fucking Logan. Oh yeah, he's a definitely a good um, a good Wolverine. Um, Carl Urban with Carl Urban, which is hilarious because in what in what world does the same actor who plays Bones in Star Trek <laughs> get a nod for? Uh, Wolverine. That is yeah. pretty impressive, dude. And uh, he's <laughs> great. You. Yeah, he's great. I mean, Dread as well. You mm-hmm. know, he was already in. He's already in the MCU as uh, I think. What's his name? Kurt? No, Kurt. Oh, as the 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 isn't he the Executioner? Yes, yes. Oh, wait, is that his character's name? I know <laughs> he's got his two machine guns that he got from Texas. Uh, <laughs> Um, in uh, in Thor Ragnarok, here I'll look it up right here. I got it open already. Um, yeah, Carl was- Urban, yeah, Executioner, yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, he's technically already in the MCU, but I I think he would have been a fine choice for Wolverine. Maybe I don't know, maybe five ten years ago. He's 49 now. I don't, you know, I'm assuming that they'd want to go younger with this cast so that they can be with the franchise for longer, especially for you know for a character like Wolverine. Yeah, you're gonna want a late 20s, early 30s. Right. And yet, and that's hard because you got to have eight late twenties, early thirties who look like they've been through some shit. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I'm looking at how old Hugh Jackman's fifty three. So yeah, damn, he's done a great job with this character. Um, uh, he wanted it to be um, who's our who's our Venom guy? Um, Tom Tom Hardy. Yeah, he wanted it to be Tom Hardy. Hugh Jackman came out and said that he that Tom Hardy would be a good choice. Oh yeah. Oh wow! Oh yeah, he full on threw he full on threw his hat behind uh, Tom Hardy. Well, Hardy's forty four. Yeah, I think he's a little too old at this point. But this was like this was like when Logan came out, which was several years ago. So he was his late thirties, early forties. Yeah. Um, I like 
of the people that have been, you know, thrown around, I like Taron Edgerton, Egerton. Um, I think he's a good choice. He played, um, he was in Rocket Man, the uh, Elton John movie. Oh, okay. And what's his, what's his name? Taron Edgerton, E-G-E-R-T-O-N. T-E-R-R. T Taron, so T-A-R-O-N. Taron Edgerton. And I know his name's thrown around a lot. Okay. Uh, he's come out and said there's no truth in it, but there's plenty of like fan made images of him as, as Wolverine. Well, five, nine, we're getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hardy is five, nine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I'm saying, we had, cause isn't, isn't um, Jackman like six something? Yes. It's always bugged me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wolverine and Scott should not be the same size. <laughs> same height. I just want uh, this is a horrible thing. I'm going to get canceled for this. Um, I really, really want because we're talking about short actors. I apologize, but I really want to live in a world where we get Pink Peter Dinklage as Puck. I really, really want oh. that to happen so badly, so badly. Yeah, I think that would be great. It's not going to happen because there's no way we're going to get an Alpha Flight movie this soon. Are we going to get one? We're absolutely going to get one. But (laughs) are we going to get anytime soon? No, they're going to have to start running out of storylines before we get Alpha Flight. I mean, now they've got Disney Plus series to make. So, you know, there you could have, I mean, you can have a whole Infinity War type saga just in the X-Men universe. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think that's where you lead with Apocalypse. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, that's how it needs to be done. You know what's an interesting and bizarre to me name that keeps coming up for Wolverine? Who? Daniel Radcliffe. I've heard that, and honestly, don't hate it. How? I don't know. I'm, I'm. I don't hate it, but it's just bizarre to me. Well, I haven't seen it, but he's he was apparently in a movie where he because because as is often the case. Um, you uh, actors who play like really, really sweet, charming roles often want to try and play something that's the opposite so that they don't mm. get typecast. And apparently he was in a movie that was like that. And he was like, really like just kind of crazy. And, um, you know, there's some shots of him, like he's worked out, he's kind of buffed up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, huh. I, I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. Yeah. And he's, that's- and he's five, five. <laughs> right. There you go. Cause you know, that's the important thing. <laughs> <laughs> God, John Bernthal's come up too. And I think he, he played Punisher on the Netflix, uh, you know, Marvel shows and uh, he's older, he's 45, but I really like his look. I think he, he has the right kind of look for a character. I mean, he's a great Punisher. So, um, yeah, there's you definitely got to get that sort of like rugged, you know, worn like you said, someone who's what did you say someone who's in their late 20s early 30s but who looks like they've like like they've <laughs> seen some shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but no, this is I mean we've got we got three more movies <laughs> to get to in the next 2 weeks. And I I got to be honest, man, I'm not looking forward to Dark Phoenix. 
Um, I, I, I have I, been. I am ecstatic about Dark Phoenix because I am going to like whatever day. Well, no, I see. I've got this is kind of a bummer. I wish this had landed in a different time because my next two weeks are spring break. It's one oh, of the benefits okay. of that's one of the benefits of this job is that we actually get two weeks of spring break because it used to be a, a district where some of the schools were year round, and so to mm-hmm. compensate when they merged the calendars, three weeks for Christmas. Two weeks for spring break. Really awesome for me. But I want I wanted to come home after a really hard day and just get angry at the TV. And I'm, <laughs> I'm going to miss out on that. I'm sending you a picture on Facebook right now. Hold on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I, I am I am kind of looking forward to uh, to just being angry because we know what we're getting into. It's not like we're going to be disappointed. We can sit there and like really verbalize our anger and why we're feeling what we're feeling. I think it will be therapeutic. I think it will be cathartic. <laughs> I think I think it will be positive. And I honestly, I envy you because I want to have you sit there. And like you get to sit there and watch Rosie. Yeah. Have this experience <laughs> and go, didn't we see this movie before? It wasn't good then. It's not good now. That is a lot of fun. Yes. I admit, right, you see that, the picture? That, yes. Oh my god. He's Wolverine. Damn. Yeah. That totally. So Daniel Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe looks like Wolverine. Holy I think it's a good, shit. It's it's a good casting. All right, I'm on board. I'm on board. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, watching these with Rosie really adds so much to to the experience. Um. I. Uh, we got. We got Dark Phoenix, we got New Mutants, and we got Deadpool 2. Uh, and you and I, off off mic, should uh, talk about uh, Multiverse of Madness because tickets have gone on sale. Oh, yeah, we have to figure that out. Yeah, because we want to come up and, and see that with you out in, out in Palm Springs. Ro- what, Rosie, what? Rosie was ready to buy tickets for us uh, last week. She's like, hey, we got to get on this. We, we got to get on this. And I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to talk to Joe. You, you don't have to worry about that out here because it doesn't sell out. But I do have you. I have you scheduled in on the 6th, and I will probably take the 6th off. Great. Okay. And that's going to be – we're going to try to hit like an earlier showing or later yeah, and then in the we'll, night. And then we'll go to dinner and we'll we'll chill and hang out. and Awesome. Now you guys do realize you're not going to get the big Hollywood crowd where everybody's cheering at all the moments because it'll be like the, <laughs> the four of us and grandma and that's it. Like, I'm down. Okay. All right. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Okay. I'm all about setting expectations. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool, man. Uh, anything else you wanted to say about Logan? No, I think again, like I think it's just one of the, I think it is probably the best artistically created cinema as far as as superhero movies go yeah like, it's just very well crafted and if you haven't watched the new rock stars coverage of it 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 breaks it down into just how brilliant it is and it goes over just some of the alternate decisions that they didn't go with and how that would or would not have impacted what lines were taken out for what reason like he was into it. it's like a half hour video it's really good yeah logan's in my top three for sure superhero movies yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, you had a shout out. Yes. Eduardo Garcia, cool artist that I met uh, last night. I, I, he he co-runs a space in L.A. called Altura, Los Angeles. Um, it's a new 
gallery and it's just been great overall to um reconnect with you know these art communities that i've felt somewhat cut off from mm-hmm. um for years now and uh he's yeah he's one of the friendliest people that i've met i you know uh we sort of were introduced to each other online and then we got to meet in person last night and i'm just super excited to be out there again as an artist so shout out to uh eduardo excellent yeah awesome awesome um i'm going to give a shout out to my small but mighty cast who did their um performances the last two nights and drew in a, a very uh not i'm not gonna say sizable but i'm gonna say a very impressive audience size for literally the friday and saturday of spring break starting so we got <laughs> we got shifted into a into a calendar spot we were not thrilled by but oh. um but i think uh, i think they did a great job and um and for our for, for my first live show at the high school i i was I'm very happy it's over. <laughs> I was very happy that it went up, and I'm very happy it's done. Congrats to you and your students. That's great. Thank you. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. Geektitude is a proud member of the geek to geek network. Check out other geek to geek shows, such as the geek to geek podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, Disney Forever, You Can't Stop Me Loving K-Pop, The Nerdberg Review, JRPGs and Me, Dragon Quest FM, Mating Habits of the Modern Geek, Farming Simulated, As the Dice Roll, Planes Talker Podcast, and Sometimes Rob. Also check out our Twitch streamers, Capsule J, Bama Shocks, Troidal Power, Geen, and Nixie. And make sure to join us in Slack or Discord where you can chat with us in real time. You can currently find us at geektitude.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and most other podcatchers out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Geektitude or me personally at Epic Grays. Ray, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me online at Twitter and Instagram at Ray Vargas 3. Uh, that's Ray Vargas and then number three. And if you want to check out my artwork, the website is slowly coming along. As I finish paintings, they go up. And that is at RamonVargasArt.com. Excellent, excellent. All right, we're going to see you in two weeks. We're going to go and throw in um, Deadpool 2, which I am excited about, and Dark Phoenix and uh, New Mutants, which I'm excited for completely different reasons. (laughs) Uh, But until then, remember these next few weeks, keep it geeky.